Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. Ed Mark. And you, as always, can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. We start things out by going right to the calls. It is Daniel in Texas on the amplifier line. Hey, Daniel. Hey, I want to get right into uh, these contracts you guys talk about, private contracts all the time. Sure. Please don't include me in this, Daniel. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> well, wait, you don't have anything against private contracts, do you? I don't have anything against private contracts, but I know where he's going with this. He's going to ask Ian about Never uh, Never Anarchy Land and uh, how, in, how in the world it could possibly work. How presumptuous of you. I Go don't ahead, know what Daniel, Daniel's going to say. Ask him his question. All right, here's my question. Is, is like Monday you guys talking about private, uh, private law and all this and all these contracts, and if you get a contract to move into a, uh, a housing area, you got to... Agree to all these different rules. You know, are you going to allow people who've had abortion in? Are you going to allow convicts in? Are you going to allow robbers in? These contracts are going to be so long and so tedious and so full of detail that I don't know if anybody's going to, you know, yeah, I don't think that's what. Uh, that I think you got the wrong uh, wrong impression. I don't think that those contracts are going to have different rules in in regards to all that. I think that uh, they'll just simply have, um, you know, if you're moving into an apartment, it'll be typical apartment-style leases. It's just that there will be an arbitrator specified. You're talking about like a private community with uh, like, the, like the Catholics owning the 400 acres out in, uh, out in Florida. That's what you're referring to, right? Well, in a, if you own your own property and you're allowed, like, say, yeah, I mean, similar to that, but if there's no government property and there's no government to say rule, to make rules about it, whether or not you can allow, you can discriminate or not. So if you decide to discriminate in your property... There's some, you know, there's some, there's some deed that you'll sign that'll be 400 pages long, and you won't read in that, you won't read the whole thing, and there'll be some clause that you could run afoul of without realizing it. Well, buyer beware. I, I, I mean, I, I don't. Imagine. Well, just, just in, in defense of this, um, Daniel, and I'm not saying that this is entirely the world that I imagine. Um, the there's you're running afoul of all kinds of laws anyway when you buy a piece of property because you don't have any idea what the zoning laws are or the uh, you know what the planning commission has uh, planned for your property or any of that stuff. So at the very least, what your um, the 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 possible future that you're outlining here, where somebody has you know a uh, in, in a in a private community where they have a long uh, deed restrictions um, you know contract or the whatever that's 400 pages long. At the very least, you had it in your hand because you're never going to have a city ordinance in your hand. You're never going to have the yeah. uh, planning commission's, uh, you know, 2020 plan in your hand. You're never going to have any of that stuff. And besides, some zoning bureaucrat's going to come by. He's going to slap a fine on your door and say, "You owe 500 bucks for having a commercial vehicle parked outside your garage." And, and really, I don't right. think it's very realistic to say that, uh, you know, a, a housing contract is going to be 400 pages long. My lease is two pages. Um, and also, if people are demanding smaller, shorter, un- easier to understand contracts, then that's what they'll get from the marketplace. So, I mean, if you don't want to read the agreement that you're signing, then caveat emptor, buyer beware. You know, you should know what you're getting into. And if you don't right. want to take well, the the steps to know that, then you know, you get what you get. Generally, I'm in agreement with you. But when you started talking about setting up all these private contracts among businesses and individuals. I just imagine having to spend hours, you know, or weeks of my of, a, of time. If I want to move somewhere, pouring over the different 
private contractor available. That doesn't seem very area. realistic. I mean, you know, if, if I don't want to put smoking in my, uh, if I don't want to allow smokers into my residence, it doesn't take me very many lines of text to explain the things that I don't want to allow in my residence. No smokers, no um, long-haired dogs, you know, whatever. I mean, it wouldn't take that long. I think that you're kind of blowing it out of proportion, personally. Okay. And well, I think I think to some I extent the there's some... I'll listen in later. Appreciate it, Daniel. I think to some extent there's an, some unspoken stuff that goes on in contracts. Let's, for instance, um, you know, uh, my my credit card company and I have never had a dispute over what language they send me my credit card in. Right. Like if I want it in Hindi, I probably can't get it, just because they don't have somebody who can translate it into probably Hindi not. for me. Probably not. But you know. Um, it was never spelled out in my contract that I couldn't get the uh, get my uh, bill in Hindi. Shouldn't I be able to demand that? I mean, there's some unspoken stuff that goes on inside of contracts, um, and that you know, not every detail needs to be listed. And, well, I also uh, what's think considered that fair is sort of a societal thing. I think I think that what feels overwhelming for him is all of the contracts that he might not necessarily see, and I think he sort of lumped it all together when he was trying to ask the question. Because what we've been talking about over the past couple of days on the show here and there has been this idea of private justice, uh, private defense, as opposed to government courts and government police, and and how the you know the uh, the private defense organizations and the insurers and the contract insurers would all have these interlocking agreements. Now, it's probably the case that the agreement between the insurers and the arbitrators and you know the defense companies, mm-hmm. it's probably the case that that's going to be a little bit longer than two or three pages as far as their agreements are concerned. But you as the customer won't see those business level agreements. That's not something you need to be concerned with. So when I say the phrase interlocking agreements and contracts on the air, I think that can that might just be what was sort of getting to him, like, oh, my gosh, so many different contracts. I'm going to have to read these things and I understand them. And no, no, when it's, you know, the the business level agreements, you won't have anything to do with that. You'll just go and sign your lease for your home, and that'll be backed up by, you know, the, the contract insurer. And then the contract insurer is going to already have pre-existing agreements with various different arbitrators and, and the other companies that they need to have agreements with. And you don't need to know all those details. All you need to know is that those companies are getting along just fine. And they've got their own set of rules that uh, that have been appreciated and approved by the marketplace. And I think there's going to be a lot of transparency. And, and indeed, if um, if the marketplace is demanding simple agreements, then I think that's what people will get. I think that you're probably right in, in that particular case that if, if the marketplace is demanding simple, simple agreements, in any case, um, that's what they're going to get. I don't I know. Be, I, I don't know about this uh, magic world where uh, we have no government. I don't know if that's going to ever. Well, you know, I, I come think about. it. I think it'd be kind of be interesting to see exactly what would happen to agreements in a private world. Because if you look at your cell phone contract or your internet contract and all the the terms of service on any website you go to, who the hell reads? Nobody those does, things? but they're not that long. I mean, they you, are long and they're confusing and they're written in legalese but we, I, and it's I, very very difficult to understand. They're not, they're not n- nearly as bad as um, local and um, state ordinance, you know, local ordinances, state statutes. They're not nearly as difficult as no, those I under- things. I when you compare um, a user service agreement on a website to 
Going and looking at one page in a law book, you, no absolutely, doubt. you're talking about something that's far simpler. I agree. Far e- more easy for people to understand. It is. Far more accessible, because there it sits in front of you, and you have to either agree or disagree yeah. to it. You know, when, when, whereas when I buy a piece of property in Whitfield Country Club Estates in Sarasota, Florida, yeah. I had no idea that you couldn't park a commercial vehicle in the um, right. driveway. I had no idea you couldn't leave a trailer there overnight. I had no I, idea you couldn't own a boat. I understand. And nobody told me. Nobody put Put that crap in front of me, but they will darn sure come and find me out the butt if I don't pay it. Because zoning rules are not accessible, they're not understandable, and you know, you're, it's just too bad. I haven't read a lot of uh, contracts, the terms of service and all that stuff, but when I have trudged through them, and there have been a few occasions mm-hmm. where, okay, I'm signing for something fairly important, I probably should do my best to read this crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I have trudged through it... I've sort of gotten the impression that a lot of the language there exists because of the state and because of all the, you know, the different regulations like, okay, we've got to have this paragraph here to cover our butts for this regulation. Mm-hmm. We've got to have this paragraph full of legalese. I mean, there's, you know, there's the different sections and a lot of it has to do with, it seems to me at least, a lot of it has to do with the law and with the state. Um, so I wonder how that would change in the absence of the state, in the absence of all the state regulations, to where, you know, would it get simpler? Would it get easier to understand? I can only imagine Please. that it would get simpler, right. because the state, I, is, um, you know, is put, puts all these regulations on these companies. Yeah. So I think it'd be a good thing. It, mm-hmm. I mean, give me something I can easily read and understand. Because part of getting into a contract with somebody is understanding the contract that you're getting into. In fact, some could make the argument, I don't know how well it would hold up, but you could make the argument that if you've signed on to something and the other party is engaging in the contract with you and you didn't really fully understand the contract, that it could be null and void as far as all of the terms are concerned. I'm no contract resolution expert or anything like that, but, I mean, really, if you don't understand the agreement you're getting into, does that uh, invalidate it in any way? 800-259-9231. I don't know. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free. At 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are completely free, including the bulletin board system. Just go to bbs.freetalklive.com. Get signed up. It is totally free. We've got over 100, excuse me, 1,500 listeners interacting there. We've got almost 250,000 posts awaiting you. Lots to talk about, serious issues, and fun stuff. You'll find it all. It's all there at bbs.freetalklive.com. Pop quiz. What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Well, the answer is very little. But the Prometheus Institute at readpi.com is looking to change that by implementing practical and innovative solutions to today's most pressing policy issues. uh, Visit readpi.com today. As we go to the phones, uh, to the fun, it is Frank in New York City. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Frank. Hi, guys. I just put on my uh, legal scholar cap, and I just want to say this about contracts. Uh, contracts, both parties are bound by the terms of the contracts. When the contract is written or modified before signing, that's when, you know, questions that arise should be resolved or uh, specific procedures would be included in that contract. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to say this, that uh, right now in, you know, the United States, You'll never have compli- you'll never have simple uh, 
contracts without a lot of legalese. Why? Uh, because ultimately, contracts are used to protect those that uh, are selling something or you know the party that's buying it and we're a very litigious society in mm -hmm. the United States right and as a result uh, the contract under law is the only protection the parties have be they individuals buying something as simple as a used lawnmower or multinational corporations talking about buying divisions or companies or you know whatever they can become very complicated. And in New York, we have some of the most complex uh, rental agreements, you know, regarding, you know, the tenants mm -hmm. and landlords, and usually with the fact of the high rents, and the fact that you go through brokers, that, you know, it's no longer just the contract in favor of the landlord, but the tenants has every right to, you know, bring up points that he wants to be included or observed, specifically regarding privacy. You have to go through a broker in New York City to get an usually apartment? Usually you do. Yeah, usually generally. you do. <laughs> and that's usually you know, up to three months' rent, uh, anywhere from one and a half months to three months' rent. It's not easy to find an apartment in New York. What a nightmare. It's just, well, there's it's, just it's so it's many apartments. Small, it's a very small vacancy rate. But I wanted to ask you guys another question, yeah. and that's the question, what did you hear about the news story that AP brought out this morning. It was in the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal about Switzerland this afternoon selling 250 metric tons of gold. I have heard um, that, that there's quite a few countries dumping gold, but I I didn't get to see that uh, particular one. If you sent me a link, I would... Uh... Uh, it actually was... It's the AP. But what, it was, what's your interpretation, Frank? I have a feeling that China's spending some of those $2 trillion worth of American petrodollars uh, increasing their gold is what I think is happening. Hmm. Uh, because, you know, to us it's about $5.2 billion, but I think in euros it's like $4 billion. And So I'm you're suggesting you, China is purchasing dollars is a significant uh, amount of money. It allows one to go on a nice shopping spree. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think China right now is beefing up their gold reserves. So I, I anticipate ever higher prices. Uh, now, wait, did they uh, did they say that it was China that was the buyer? Or? No, they didn't. They That's didn't just speculation. Just basically that uh, the Swiss National Bank said, you know, that they were selling 276 metric tons of hmm. gold reserves over the next two years. But it looks as if the sale was today, which means that I'm sure, be, knowing how you know brilliant the Swiss bankers are, they probably also did some gold futures today on what wouldn't be sold today, you know, over the next two years, which will probably, you know, bring in double digits worth of interest good, uh, good in for favor them. of the bank. So, you know, it's kind of... Uh, Wish I could I get that know, kind though. of rate. I think the U.S. dollar is in for a bit of a bind. Uh, oh, it's already in the bind. It's, it's way in the read, bind. I had just done some econometric projections against the CIA uh, source book, uh, or the fact book, the world fact book. Yeah. It was released last month. They did their update uh, as of uh, mm -hmm. March 10th, which was kind of interesting, whereby they did the ranking of the 161 nations. China, and this is sort of like the, 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 the balance sheet, I guess, credits against debt. Uh, China and Japan were the two greatest countries. In fact, China had 
uh, a plus balance of something like $179 trillion, $400 billion. Wait, you're saying they aren't in debt as a country? No, they're not, and, and nor is Japan. All this talk we've heard about that Japan is recovering from 20 years' worth of, of inflation and stuff is nonsense. The U.S. is a minus – Eight hundred and seventy eight trillion three hundred billion dollars in the whole. We have about twenty seven point eight percent of all the world debt. And I wow. calculate to who? Oh, our, that's a lot. That's a big number. Bigger number than I've ever it heard. Is. I calculated if our, if the real GDP of this country is about four point four trillion dollars a year, mm-hmm. which would be our domestic economy. Uh, it would take us, without having any increases in spending or any inflation or you know, just keeping things as they are today, it would take about 196 years to pay that off, which yeah. is untenable. But yeah, it's absolutely – I mean, it's we really are in a impossible. mess you know, of a situation with pattern. the dollar. You're absolutely – I mean, it's, thank you for now, doing that, Frank. Now, hold on just a second. Um, Frank, you, uh, you, made the, you did the calculations at 800 and something trillion dollars. Oh, no, the CIA did that, my friend, and that was actually last year's estimate. These are 2000 – Six estimates, which lead me to believe that these were the figures as of June uh, of last year. Is right. it, is only, now this they is... released the the new figures on May 10th of this year. Now this is the, the sort of debt. Just, just let me let me clear up the kind of debt assuming... real quick, Frank. I just want to know. Um, now it's like if I buy, my, you know, I, I owe a quarter million dollars on my house, but I only have to pay eighteen hundred dollars a month. You're talking. You're you're taking the whole quarter million dollars that I owe, even though I don't owe it for another no, thirty no, I'm years. Just, I, however, the CIA does this very. It's a very simple ranking system. The, the actual World Bank and I would assume the Import Export Bank, uh, as well as the International Monetary Fund, would actually have more accurate figures. But this is sort of the CIA Factbook, which is available online. You can isn't go to it the website. Uh, CIAWorldFactbook.com? Yeah, or something and it's like under. That? I guess it's under the. Uh, uh, wait, just I don't know if I have the. You know, I've, oh, you have I've been Google working it. on no this information. Deal. I've sort of put the papers out. Uh, let's see. I'll give you the exact figures. Let me just get my. No, that's one. not necessary. We'll take your word for it. Frank, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you want to go and pull them up, uh, just go to Google and search for the CIA World Factbook. There is some interesting information in there. I know that much. So yeah, he's right. I mean, the dollar is in dire. Dire straits. I mean, whether the numbers are completely accurate there or not really is irrelevant. I mean, the fact is he's right about the uh, the the fact that it's just going to be impossible to pay it off. It's not possible to pay off the debt that this country has gotten into. So really, I mean, really, just going to have to default on the loans. I think pretty much. I don't know whether I necessarily agree with that. Um, if I have it's a, not my debt, and w- it's not your debt. No, it's I, the government's debt, right? And the government's I, I could a fantasy. Very well, I could very well owe on my house for my whole life and make the payments, and everything would be fine. Then mm-hmm. the, my my uh, heirs, they would inherit. Yeah, but I don't want to pay for this government. I don't want to pay for the debt. You this don't want to, but uh, people are choosing to they pay didn't for do it. it in my name. But yeah, but, but to say that the whole house of cards is going to fall down because we have a certain amount of debt. Is not exactly. Oh, there's accurate. more than one reason why the House of Cards is going to fall. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. 
1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where we got a lot of features, and we give them all away, including the Shrine of Female Listeners. And we've got a brand new Shriner on the site. Mm-hmm. Her name is Christina. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see her if you go to freetalklive.com, or you can go straight to shrine.freetalklive.com. Either way, there are, a bunch, there, there are a bunch of ladies who have sent us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. So you'll see what I mean, shrine.freetalklive.com. Christina validated in a very big way. Yeah, very big, huge, uh, chalky way. <laughs> Opportunistic lawyers, judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. Boy, each one of those words should scare the crap out of you. Yeah. These people want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net, take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets. KeepYourAssets.net. So I was poking around on the uh, CIA World Factbook during the break. I don't know if you were, Mark, or not. But Oh, yeah, I'm just poking around on the CIA World Factbook. I couldn't figure out, I mean, I don't know how Frank got his $800 tri- trillion dollar number or whatever it was that the the U.S. owed total it's, debts well, or whatever. I, I, I wouldn't... Wayne has given numbers um, similar to this, and Wayne's numbers were fifty to sixty trillion unfunded liabilities for Medicare and all the other things that they have to pay for in the future, as I recall. I see. I don't. I don't know what these numbers are, but it, they don't seem entirely fair to me. Um, you know, the fact that I owe two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on my house or whatever—I'm making that number up. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I own a house down in Sarasota, and it's not nearly that number, that much. But um, you know, if I owe two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a house. Well, all that really matters is that every monthly I have to pay $1,800 to the bank in order to continue living there. Right. Um, and I'm not just paying the end. You know, obviously, I'm not defending the United States government's fiscal policy. It's been shabby at best. Um, it, it, you know, it's horrible. But yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that we're falling off the parapet today. Um, I don't think that the dollar's circling. It might be circling the bowl, but it's not ready to go get quite flushed yet. I don't know when. Uh, these things that th- nobody could know when they you know these kind of things right. they happen in a moment and uh, you know you're, you're screwed well i don't know if i'm ready to convert all of my money into gold today though me neither i mean that would be a little bit extreme wouldn't it uh, there are those certain things you can do to uh, to help repair yourself i know our friends over at d2z.org mm-hmm. i'm sure they have a few suggestions i i i'm keeping 20% of my money in gold right. and silver and you know those kind of things and safety deposit boxes but you know over the over it's not going to happen necessarily tomorrow, but over the last several decades, looking at it from the wide view, the dollar has been taking a huge dive, and mm-hmm. it, and we are in big trouble uh, as a result of the government's monetary policy combined with Americans' fiscal irresponsibility. We touched, I think it was last night, on the Great Depression and how the government created uh, they created the Great Depression through basically printing money and they're uh, and encouraging fiscal irresponsibility as a result of all that inflation. So. We are in a messy situation, and it doesn't seem to me something that's going to be very easy to get out of. I'm no monetary expert. I'm not sure how we can get out of it, but it would seem to me that if the U.S. government defaulted on its loans, then, I mean, it would be the end of the U.S. government. But hey, so what? Great. Then we're all free. I think that would be a fine thing to happen. I don't see that happening. If the U.S. government defaults on its loans, all it's going to do is say, yeah, we're the biggest, baddest nation in the world. We're not paying. Goodbye. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, that, that's not the end of the U.S. government. I don't know. Then, then they would have to. Uh, then no one else would want to do business with them. So I think it would be the end of the U.S. government as we know it. So they're eight hundred and forty trillion dollars to the good. <laughs> They've got bad credit. Who cares? Well, no one's ever going to loan them anything ever Who again. Who needs it at that point? I suppose they could keep printing the money out. You know what they're I, the one of the great things that uh, the banks always do is that they'll just return to a monetary uh, to a metal backed monetary system and then um, you know they'll do business above board for a little while and go back to the point that um, you know your dollar dollars look legitimate again mm-hmm. because they're backed with currency backed with uh, metal the currency is backed with metal and then you know ten fifteen twenty years after people get used to the idea of dollar being worth something they'll you know start pulling the rug out from underneath it again. This is a game that they've played throughout U.S. history, throughout world history, Western history. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Got a little bit of news from the Washington Post about the FBI and how... The Jim McMahon case? They're, they're, uh, they're, they're uh, investigating the WWE. Looks like a murder. But- no. Though they, I, that's what the WWE said. They, they said that, in fact, uh, they were... Vince w- McMahon is Vince McMahon. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, Vince McMahon's been uh, murdered and the, the FBI is investigating. The FBI, however, says that they are not investigating. <laughs> You've got to go to this site, wwe.com, and see the explosion. They happen to catch it on camera. Yeah, it's awesome. The explosion of his... Uh, <laughs> well, it looks like a slightly older limousine. I can't believe that Mr. McMahon would be driving around in an older limousine. But they caught it, the, the fiery... Uh, action right on film. And Amazing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, there, apparently, there's a memorial service. They've got the WWE flag at half mast. That's some exciting television. I, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, there are toothless sister humping rednecks all what? weeping, weeping all over the nation. There are more than just rednecks that watch wrestling. No, no, the ones that believe it. Come on, you believe that M- um, Vince McMahon is dead? No, of course not. Okay. I'm not saying. Do you think people really I believe said that? Weeping, Vin- weeping. Do you, do you think people really believe that there's Vince McMahon that, is dead? There's people that believe that Vince McMahon is dead. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> there's wow. people that believe that this stuff is real. Sure, there is. Now I understand that, but I guess you're right. If they believe it's real, then they're probably <laughs> completely <laughs> suckered in. Well, anyway, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So no, this is not the. Uh, that's not the FBI story I was going to talk about because uh, the. The FBI in the real world, outside of Hollywood fantasy, really isn't very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're not. I mean, they're just another government. <laughs> they're just another government agency, another government bureaucracy. You know, the post office, except with a little bit of a better uniform, I suppose. And according to the Washington Post, not only are they slow and inefficient and just generally awful at what they do. But they also don't even really have to bother to follow their own rules. And this is something that we've pointed out many a time about various different uh, different police agencies. The FBI tends to be just really explicit in its complete ignorance uh, ignorance of its protocols and rules. An internal FBI audit has found that the Bureau potentially violated the law or agency rules more than 1,000 times <laughs> while collecting data about recent, uh, excuse me, about domestic phone calls, emails, and financial transactions in recent years. This Fog- is on the Patriot Act. This is under the Patriot Act. Presumably, they, yeah. They've, they, they've overstepped their bounds. Even that was the, even the... Their uh, extended bounds. Right, their extended bounds from the Patriot Act. Just crazy. Far more than was documented in a Justice Department report in March that ignited bipartisan congressional criticism. The new audit covers just 10% of the Bureau national security investigations since 2002. And so the mistakes in the FBI's domestic surveillance efforts probably number several thousand bureau officials said in so interviews. That's, that's the how many mistakes were in 10%, so you could really probably likely multiply that number by, by 10. 10. Yeah. 
Which and what would, would that number be? 10,000 times that they potentially violated the law or agency rules wow. in and, their and investigations. And who's this finding from? The FBI's own internal audit. So it's not even the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, which normally does these sort of checkups. Mm. GAO is my it. favorite government agency, if, yeah. if one can say such a thing, because they seem to not mind roasting the rest of the agencies, which yes, I, that's right. I love. And I can't imagine that the uh, the FBI has decided to roast itself, but it sounds... It has. It's, it sounds like it's as being as accurate as it possibly can here. When you're saying something like 10,000 well, you know, times that. they've overstepped the already um, hazy and stretched boundaries of the Patriot Act. The bureaucrats know that it's not going to come down right. on them. Who I cares? mean, nothing's going to happen. Oh, it's going to make an interesting bottom, news article. they write at the bottom, aha. Yeah, right? The earlier report uh, found 22 violations in a much smaller sampling. The vast majority of the new violations were instances in which telephone companies and Internet providers gave agents phone and email records that the agents did not request and were not authorized to collect. The agents retained the information anyway in their files, which mostly concerned suspected terrorist or espionage activities. But two dozen of the newly discovered violations involved agents' requests for information that U.S. law did not allow them to have, according to the audit results provided to the Washington Post. Now, how can these agents be expected to know what all the laws are, right? I can't, I can't imagine that they would know. No, I can't imagine. I mean, I sure as hell don't know what the laws are. And now you would think that if, that if you're working for the government, you should have some level of understanding of the laws that you're supposed to be working underneath. But apparently that doesn't apply. Though, of course, if you and I violate the law, we'd be seeing the inside of a courtroom and then probably a jail cell shortly thereafter. Mm. Will that happen to any of these thousands of violations? Not very likely. But we'll look a little further into the story. Take your calls about whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airways toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. If you want to help support the show, then you can buy some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. You go to amazon.freetalklive.com, add some stuff to your shopping cart, check out. It'll be shipped to you, in many cases, with free Super Saver shipping. And you can feel good knowing that not only did you get the products that you needed, but you also helped Free Talk Live. Because when you buy through amazon.freetalklive.com, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. 41 categories to shop from, thousands upon millions of products. They've got a lot of stuff for sale. And it's good quality merchandise, the brands you are used to. And you can even get reviews and everything. I mean, you've been to Amazon. You know what it's all about. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Well, well, well. The FBI running an internal audit on some of its agents and some of the things that they've been doing. In uh, this case, uh, they found that apparently... After looking into 10% of the Bureau's national security investigations since 2002, they discovered that in those 10% that they investigated, there were more than 1,000 violations of either the law or the agency's own internal rules by their own agents. And again, that's only because they looked at 10%. They would have found a lot more had they uh, expanded their search. And... This has a lot to do with, as you'll find out here, the national security letters, and we'll explain what those are. Two dozen of the newly discovered violations involved agents' requests for information that U.S. law didn't allow them to have, according to the audit results. FBI officials said the results confirmed what agency supervisors and outside critics feared, namely that many agents did not understand 
or follow the required legal procedures and paperwork requirements when collecting personal information with one of the most sensitive and powerful intelligence-gathering tools of the post-September 11th era, the National Security Letter, or NSL. Now, I don't think the article really goes into what the NSL is all about. As you may recall from our prior discussions, this is something that you might just receive one day in you know whatever capacity you have you live in life you know maybe you're a plumber and they want some records from you about who you've plumbed mm-hmm. in the past sounds very nice and um uh, they will send you this national security letter and the NSL I mean I've never read one so I just have to go on what I've been told in fact you aren't allowed to to ever read one unless you're actually sent one of these things <laughs> uh, they're rather weird and secretive about it all they're very secretive uh, if so you if get, they send me one I can't show my wife no, in fact, you can't tell anyone that you've received the NSL. You must comply with well, what its happens, order. What happens if I go to the uh, you know, the largest newspaper that will listen to me? Let's say mm-hmm. if I, I go to uh, Washington Post and I say, I got one of these NSLs. This is what these creeps want from me. I refuse to turn over my information, and uh, I want you to publish this next to my face. Well, they're going to probably put you into some sort of a federal brig of some sort. They'll probably call you an enemy combatant well, and uh, pick you up. Why do they get to do that? Well, they've got what guns. What gives them the power? Uh, guns. But they don't have the right to tell Delusion. me that I can't. They sent me the letter. They can't tell. I didn't sign any oath to their military. I'm not. You know, I, I don't have any kind of government pass. I can't be treasonous. Hmm. Well, they don't care, really. No, what you they don't think, really Mark. care. They don't care. Um, so that's well, so basically, what happens is you get this letter, this NSL, and it says, "Okay, so and so, you need to give us the following information." In this case, the plumber's clients from the month of March, and uh, then you are then instructed to not inform anyone that you've received the national security letter, to not let them know anything about the fact that you're sending this information off to the FBI by penalty of some sort of severe um, amount of time in jail and who knows what they're scaring people with. We don't even really know what the penalties are because they're included in the letter and you know, you're know you supposed to get scared when you read it. And they have issued these letters countless numbers of times, thousands upon thousands of times. And Americans are very, very frightened when they receive these things. They're being threatened by their own government uh, over some little bit of information. And I agree with you, Mark. People should be able to come out uh, in public and reveal this information, reveal that they've been threatened by the state, reveal the uh, the national security letter for what it is. Which is just a threat. That's all yeah, it is. It's just, it's just a, threat. a threat. They're not going to do anything about it. If you go out and you publish, you know, put your face right next to your NSL, I don't think they'll do anything. I don't know, man. They might they just will posture to make it... and make some noise, but I don't think they'll do How anything. How do you know that? They might do it to make an example out of you. This is what happens when you when you don't listen to us or oh, you man. come out. You, the you're closet. talking about such a freedom of the press gray area. Can you imagine taking someone to jail for publishing something in a in newspaper? In today's America, yes, I can imagine that you happening. Can, but They've uh, already taken people to jail for that, Mark. They, they have, but not to that scale and that level. You're talking about reporters who have refused to divulge certain information, right. that kind of thing. You're not talking about somebody who's you know, a, a free citizen. But you aren't a free citizen. I am a free citizen. Yeah. We'll see what you think if you ever get one of these letters. Well, I'm, I'll never get one. Uh-huh. The uh, change, let's see here. Oh, con- Such letters are uniformly secret and amount to non-negotiable demands for personal information. Demands that are not reviewed by, an, uh, by a judge in advance. After the 2001 attacks, Congress substantially eased the rules for issuing NSLs, requiring only that the Bureau certify the records are sought for or relevant to an investigation to protect against international terrorism or clandestine intelligence activities. 
The change, combined with national anxiety about another te- uh, domestic terrorist event, led to an explosive growth in the use of the letters. More than 19,000 such letters were issued from 2000 or issued in 2005, seeking 47,000 pieces of information, mostly from telecommunications companies. But with this growth came abuse of the newly relaxed rules, according to the Inspector General. The FBI's comprehensive audit of national security letter use across all field offices has confirmed the Inspector General's findings that we had an inadequate internal controls for use of an invaluable investigative tool. Our internal audit examined a much larger sample than the Inspector General's report last March, but we found similar percentages of NSLs that had errors. Mm. Oh, they're just errors. Oh, it's just an error. They've sent you one of these national security letters, which threatens your life and threatens your freedom if you don't follow the instructions therein. But they've made an error, an oopsie. So um, they're not going to suffer any penalties. Their bureaucrats that made the error aren't going to have any sort of consequences for making the error. I've scanned through the article. I didn't see anything about them, you know, stringing these guys up. Right. There's nothing like that. But if you don't follow the instructions in the national security letter, whether or not it was issued in error, you're going to possibly be thrown into a jail cell. Well, um, the American people are pretty used to being threatened, aren't they? Yes, they they are. I mean, you know, every year when your IRS statement, when you sign that baby, you know, under perjury of law, I I, I don't know what it says, but it's not nice. It's a big, long statement uh, right above your signature that says basically... If everything on here isn't true, you're going to jail. If you've tried to lie and keep any of your money, we're going to put you away. That's right. That's how it works. And so Americans are used to this kind of crap. Uh, The FBI official said the audit found no evidence to date that any agent knowingly or willingly violated the laws or that supervisors encouraged such violations. So just because yeah, there's no evidence, that they're just all just thousands and thousands of honest mistakes. They're, they're, <laughs> you know what? These guys are human, too. Let's give them a pass. Thousands and thousands of passes, but let's give them a pass because, hey, it's no big deal. I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to stop terrorists here. We're trying to keep you safe, America. So what if we've made th- tens it of thousands like of... It sounds like they're terrorizing the American people with these threats that they're sending out, these... You know, these written threats, these national security letters, just whipping them out. If you say anything about getting this letter and you don't turn over the information that we've demanded, you're going to jail. Oh. Who's terrorizing whom? Well, now, now it's okay, though, Mark, because the officials said they're making widespread changes to make sure that these problems do not recur. Whew. Well, I'm... <laughs> Thank God. Oh, that weight's off my shoulders now. I'm not <laughs> concerned anymore. Those changes include impre- implementing a corporate-style, continuous internal compliance program to review the Bureau's policies, procedures, and training. Sounds like a new, uh, some hiring some new bureaucrats. Yeah, gobbledygook. Uh, to provide regular monitoring of employees' work by supervisors in each office. So hire more supervisors. More mm, watchers supervisors to, will help. Uh, let's hire some more watchers and then hire some watchers to watch the watchers mm-hmm. and watchers to watch those watchers as well. And we'll audit all of them. To provide regular monitoring of employees' work by supervisors in each office and to conduct frequent audits to track compliance across the Bureau. Now, that's okay. They're just going to track the compliance. They won't actually do anything about it if they find noncompliance. Maybe they'll get a stern talking to. Oh, now, Mr. Edge, we don't want to see you making these errors again. I'm not going to do anything to you if you do make the errors, but we're telling you to stop. The Bureau is also trying to establish for NSLs clear lines of responsibility, which were lacking in the past, officials said. That's good. Agents who open counterterrorism and counterintelligence investigations have been told that they are solely responsible for ensuring that they do not receive data they are not entitled to have. 
So, up until this point, there has been no clear lines of responsibility in all these investigations. They you know, just go and investigate things and open, hey, you're not responsible for the things you do. And now they're telling the agents that for the very first time, you, Mr. Edge, you are responsible. Agent Edge, you're responsible, finally, for the information that you collect. Of course, we're not really going to do anything to you. I mean, even though you are responsible, you, you know as well as we do that... Maybe we'll take away your donut privileges or something like that. 800-259-9231. That's right. These are the people that are supposed to keep you safe. 1-800-259-9231. Please don't trust the government to keep you safe. It's up to you. All right? Hour number two is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. One town in Louisiana wants to keep you safe from saggy pants. We'll talk about it coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That's freetalklive.com. Now, I've got two stories, and they're both about bands. And I wonder, which one of these two stories, Mark, do you think is more likely to be the satire? Which one of these two stories is more likely to have appeared in The Onion or some other satirical newsprint or, uh, or website? So you're going to give me the title so I can guess here? Or? Cajun Town Bags Saggy Pants, Bans Saggy Pants, and Doctor's Kitchen Knives Ban Call. Uh, that's the actual title of the article. Doctor's Kitchen Knives Ban Call. <laughs> It's a BBC article. Maybe they write their headlines differently up there. Uh, I don't even understand. You're looking at a uh, there. The two articles. One is about a saggy pants ban. The mm-hmm. other is about a kitchen knife ban. Okay. Which one is more likely to be satire? Well, I know I happen to know that the saggy pants one is is true, <laughs> um, but I I I know and I know that they would ban kitchen knives in Britain. Yeah, you're right. They're I know both they're both real. true. Yeah, they're both real. Uh, but the, the kitchen knife ban is. Just amazing. We'll get to that. But Amazingly first, dumb. But first, saggy pants. Which, speaking of dumb, I think it looks just pretty darn stupid to uh, to wear your pants around your ankles, that sort of thing. Well, you know, I, around I, your knees. I what these up, kids do today. I I, I grew up um, in prison, as you know. I I was 18 years old yeah. uh, when I hit uh, the Florida State Prison System, and it was very common to uh, you know at, at that. Point you're you're uh, it's, it's nine um, you know nine non whites to every white that's there okay and uh, it was very common to wear your pants around your butt and uh, people would wear them really really low so even the people that didn't wear their pants around their butt still wore their pants very loose I wear my jeans low now and I'm 36 years old so I don't there's there's some kind of so low the happy trail shows. Um, it would depend on sometimes I lose weight, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fluctuate 10 pounds, at which point it's harder for me to keep my pants up. Hmm. Um, was this something that started in prisons, do you think, and then sort of moved outward or was it cool to do before that? And just, that's what they did in prisons. Um, I, you want the alleged story that I've heard? Yeah. 
I've heard that uh, you know that uh, from black guys that they're they were so poor that they had to wear their brother's hand me downs, and oh. so the the hand me downs would be a little too large. Yeah. So it got to be uh, because belt. this was so common. Um, you know that's that that doesn't seem, seems like the unlikely part to me that this was so common that it became a style and there you go. Interesting story. I, I, as believable as anything else. Believable. Yeah. Well, now, according to the AP, you can sag your britches somewhere else. This Cajun country town has decided Mayor Carol Broussard, and it doesn't even say what the town is, <laughs> wherever Mayor Carol Broussard is uh, stationed, said he would sign an ordinance that the town, uh, town council approved this week uh, setting penalties of up to six months in jail and a $500 fine for being caught in pants that show undergarments or certain parts of the body. Broussard says he has nothing against saggy pants, but people who wear them should use discretion. Quote, it's gotten way out of hand out here, he said. Albert Roy, the council member who introduced the ordinance, said he thought the fine was a little steep and should be more in the $25 range, but he still favored the measure. Roy said, I don't know if it'll do any good, but it won't hurt. It's obvious, and anybody with common sense can see your your parts when you wear sagging pants. Broussard's advice for people who like their pants to hang low, just wear it properly. Cover your vital parts. I mean, if you expose your private parts, you'll get a fine. If you walk up and your pants drop, you get a fine. They're better off taking the pants off and just wearing a dress. I don't know what the dress part really matters. Well, he's just being mean, that's uh-huh. all. Just being a mean old man who's just jealous that he's not cool and hip like these kids are. And by the way, I, I think it's really kind of lame to wear your pants around your knees. But, hey, if that's what they want to do, it's their clothing. They should be able to wear it that well, way. If, if they're getting naked in public, I don't have a problem with the city, um, you know, having an ordinance. Get I think nakedness in public should be legal, too. I understand what you, I understand But that's that not you even what that. we're talking about no. here. Well, I'm saying I've never if seen... their pants fall off and they're naked underneath them, yes. But no, the if they're, they're of... underpants, then right, well, what difference the... does it make? Right, I mean, I've never are you telling me that a girl can't walk around in the town square in a bikini? I have never seen one of these guys wearing his pants real low without boxers on underneath. I've never seen that. Have you? Um, that yes. seems to be what it's about, is to show off the boxers. That seems to be, here are my boxers, look at me, there they are. I mean, that's, I've never, you've actually seen somebody with their, like, their unit hanging out, or? Well, no, they, um, the, coming close they were, to it? Th- they were wearing no underpants, and their pants were, uh, you know, halfway around their butt. Mm. Well, you know. I don't have any explanation as to why. It was one person I saw one time doing it. It seemed very strange to me, but. I, I think this is, uh, this is just out of control. Uh, this isn't the first time that a law like this has been passed. I think we talked, I think it was Tennessee that did it last time. Somebody else, some other state was looking at this, and I believe it was overturned, if I'm not mistaken. So this may actually be the first time this law is created and sticks. And we'll see if anybody gets caught or, or, or bothers to take this to court. But I don't care if it's $25 or $500. Mm-hmm. Any amount of fine is completely unacceptable to me. I, I would say that. that I'm for that. You are not going to... You're not going to successfully get these kids to straighten out by ordering them to. No, you're just going to annoy them. Right. You're going to to tick them off, and they're going to figure out something else they can do to get at you. Mm -hmm. Now, if if you're just patient, it's only going to be a matter of time before these kids realize they can't walk into a job interview with their pants hanging around their ankles. Oh, uh, kids uh, from you know every generation in in the recent past have figured this out. Kids in my generation figured out you couldn't walk in uh, to a job interview with uh, a mohawk and a nose piercing. Right. You know, 
it, it's just not going to work. Right. Reality is going to set in. College at some students point. find out that they have to bathe and cut their hair in order right. to get jobs. Reality, Save their face. Reality inevitably will set in on these young people, and they'll realize that they cannot go around all their lives with their pants hanging around their, um, you know, their behind. So just let it, let time work itself out. Everything will be just fine. What do you think goes through these guys' minds? I mean, really, they just want to control people, don't they? They really just they have their vision well, of the yes, way society but that's not what should they be. Think. They, right? They, they they think that this is offensive, and it's so offensive. I'm going to take it personally. Yeah. This guy walking around, these kids walking around with their with their hats turned, sort of cockeyed to the one side. The trucker which, hat. That's the new thing now. It, yeah, I guess. But I'm not seeing a whole bunch of the trucker hat. I don't think that's hit real hard. Oh no, I've it's all it. over the place in uh, big cities. All Maybe over. so. I I just I'm it's not even seeing here a in whole Keene. whole bunch of it compared. It's not. That's not what I'm seeing here um, amongst yeah. the young people. The young people that have their hats cocked to the funny side, mm-hmm. you know, they they likely are wearing still the uh, the, the baseball cap. That's uh, you know, I don't know the high end baseball cap mm. that they, they wear. And I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I swear. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> but I think it's, it's just funny. proof positive that I'm old. Right. That's all. Um, I'm sure that when people saw me walking around with uh, you know mohawk and, and funny earrings and all that stuff in 1986. They thought well, that kid's just stupid looking. I mean, can you imagine? Them I passing, was. Can you imagine them passing a law against mohawks in the eighties? It would be dumb. Right, well, this is the this is the equivalent of it. We don't like the way you look. We don't like your style. And now we're going to outlaw it. I think it's outrageous, and I want to hear what you think at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Especially if you're somebody that supports a law like this. Look, let's just let kids figure this out on their own. They'll get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, they'll get there, it. There's really no point in bothering them. They, they'll either get it or they won't. They won't get a job, and then they can sit around with their pants hanging down their ankles all day long. Who cares? Leave them alone, please. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Six months in jail? Are you kidding me? Six months? That's ridiculous. Anyway. Uh, going across the pond to the BBC story and about another ban that they've got in the works. Now, this one's not quite as close to becoming a reality. That that saggy pants ban, mm-hmm. that's actually going through. That's That's been approved. That's going to be signed by the mayor. This one is in the speculatory phase. A&E doctors are calling for a ban on long-pointed kitchen knives to reduce deaths from stabbing. Did we predict this, Mark, or did we predict this? Absolutely. A team from West Middlesex University Hospital said violent crime is on the increase, and kitchen knives are being used in as many as half of all stabbings. They argued many assaults are committed impulsively, prompted by alcohol and drugs, and a kitchen knife often makes an all-too-available weapon. So it's time to put a stop to it. (laughs) 1-800-259-9231. It... Is there anyone out there that agrees with this one? Getting rid of kitchen knives? <laughs> Can't imagine. Long kitchen knives. We can keep the short ones. We we'll get the, the ones details. That aren't pointy. Coming up, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want toll free. 800 259 9231, the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, that again, freetalklive.com, including the archives and entire year's worth of the show, right there on the front page of the website. Go grab them up. D2Z, are you prepared for the day dollar the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. D2Z. 
org. Believe it or not, we are in the midst of some absurd, the most absurd of the absurd stories about some of the things that some places in this world want to ban. Uh, the first story was out of Louisiana, and by the way, I found the name of the town. It's Del Camber. Del Camber, Louisiana, is going to ban baggy pants. You're going to be fined $500 if you are caught wearing baggy pants. If someone is offended, they can call in on you. Um, but then, to the other side of the pond, the BBC, where they're now calling for, believe it or not, a ban on long kitchen knives. And there are a variety of different sized kitchen knives. If you've got one of those, you know, blocks where all the knives are uh, sitting in in your kitchen, yeah, you notice there's some long ones and some short ones. You've got the little paring knife, and you've got the, the big chopping knife, and I don't know what all the names I see, are. I can see that there's some dangerous knives out there. Um... I, it, it's ludicrous to me to ban any of them. Do they not have machetes or bush in Great knives Britain? in Great Britain? <laughs> I mean, what what do people do with overgrown lots? How do they manage to take some of this stuff down? Can you not own a machete? Well, their their concern here, Mark, is that a lot of the assaults, the knife-related uh, violence, is impulsive and it's prompted by alcohol or drugs. Happening in many cases in people's homes where a kitchen is accessible and everybody knows the knife is right there on the, the countertop. Or at least in a drawer nearby. Right. Whereas if you were to have to get a machete, you'd have to think about it in advance and go to the garage and hunt yeah, around for the I machete. I got that part, yeah. So they, they're, uh, they're not quite ready to ban machetes yet, unless they've already done that, and I don't know. And if you live in the United Kingdom, you can clue us in. 800-259-9231. We certainly won't be surprised. The research is published in the British Medical Journal. The researchers said there was no reason for long-pointed knives to be publicly available at all. The research said that there was no reason for long-pointed kitchen knives to they be publicly cons- available. They consulted top ten chefs from around the U.K. and found that such knives have little practical value in the kitchen. I mean, if they're so valueless, why in the hell have they been sold to us all these years? Well, yeah, what? We've just been scammed. All we really need is a little four-inch paring knife to what cut all our food. What do you cut a large roast with? I don't know. Apparently a four-inch paring knife. I don't know what the inch uh, requirements are well, going to be cu- here. No, you do not cut a large roast with a four-inch <laughs> paring knife. I, I don't know what they're the suggesting. The only job I get when holidays come around and cooking comes is uh, cutting meat into slivers. Uh, that's, that's all I'm ever... My mother gives me the uh, the yeah. electric knife. This This is a brutal tool of torture if you've ever seen one of these things. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like a little chainsaw, right? Yeah, it, well, it's in like an oscillating yeah. knife. It goes back and forth. Like a little head trimmer. But, you know, that that's what I happen to get at Mom's house. There are other houses where I have holidays, and sometimes I'll get a long-pointed kitchen knife in right. order to cut the uh, the meat up. That's the only thing you could use. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you could use the electric knife, but it's got to be ten times as much. It, it's it's got to cost 30 or $40 for You could for stab somebody knife. with an electric knife, though. No, it didn't have... It's not pointed. Yeah, I guess you could... Yeah, okay. yeah you, you could probably slowly uh, carve them. <laughs> Well, the use of, uh, continuing the story here, the uh, none of the chefs felt that knives, uh, these long kitchen knives were essential. Why, why the, do these chefs, these top ten chefs, whoever they, these jackasses are, get to decide what I get to keep in my kitchen? Well, since the point of a short blade was just as useful when a sharp end was needed. The researchers, oh, so they're proposing long, unpointed knives. I think that's what they're proposing. I see. The researcher said a short, pointed knife may cause a substantial superficial wound if used in an assault, but is unlikely to penetrate to inner organs. Mm. In contrast, a pointed, long blade pierces the body like cutting into a ripe melon. 
The use of knives is particularly worrisome amongst adolescents, say the researchers, reporting that 24% of 16-year-olds... Worrying me, I can tell you that much. So now 24% of 16-year-olds have been shown to carry weapons, primarily knives. Now, it should be pointed out that it's already illegal in the United Kingdom to actually carry knives. So they're saying here that 24%, one out of every four teenagers... One out of every four teenagers are carrying knives. They're carrying the knives anyway that are illegal to carry, and so now we're going to outlaw the knives themselves. I'm not going to outlaw them carrying. Well, they're not, no, they're not carrying long kitchen knives around. They're carrying short pocket knives, which they're not allowed to carry, but they're doing it anyway. I see. Um, no one's carrying kitchen knives around with them, but that's what they're planning on banning. Gotcha. The study found links between easy access to domestic knives and violent assault are long established. French laws in the 17th century decreed that the tips of table and street knives be ground smooth. A century later, forks and blunt-ended table knives were introduced in the U.K. in an effort to reduce injuries during arguments in public eating houses. The researchers say legislation to ban the sale of long-pointed knives would be a key step in the fight against violent crime. The Home Office is looking for ways to reduce knife crime. We suggest that banning the sale of long-pointed knives is a sensible and practical measure that would have this effect. So now, instead of, uh, you know, the angry husband or wife pulling a long-pointed knife out of the abattoir and slicing up his or her loved one, now they'll have to pull out a four- to six-inch blade and, and go at it a little bit extra. Yeah. Well, I don't... I mean, how many people in the heat of passion, in well, the heat of... Uh, if they want long-pointed kitchen knives, there's been plenty of them sold <laughs> in uh, Britain, or they can smuggle them in from France. Well, they'll probably have a uh, knife amnesty. Didn't they, didn't they have that the other? Yeah, they had that. Oh, I'm recently. sure, but they that doesn't had... mean that that's going to work. Well, the good law-abiding citizens will turn in their kitchen knives as they always do, and of course, then only the criminals will have the uh, kitchen knives. Can you believe this? This is for real. It's ludicrous, is what it is. I mean, uh, but but really, if you're in the heat of passion, if you have gotten so angry at someone that you're willing to stab them. Are you really going to be deterred by the fact that the knife is only four inches long? Now, I don't even know what their inch requirements are. It doesn't say in this well, article. If they're successful in what it is that they're doing, they'll, they'll get their plan. I mean, things, things will work. But I just don't think they'll necessarily be successful. I mean, how many years is it going to be before all the long, pointy kitchen knives have worked their way out of kitchens in Great Britain? I mean, if yeah. people want them, they'll get them. And... Maybe they can send a uh, kitchen inspector around, house to house. You know, if you want to kill somebody, I don't know that uh, if you, I, you know, I don't know that that's going to stop you. You might very well just pick up a something that's lying around the house, smash a um, lamp into their head, whatever it is that you're you going to do. You have to ban candlesticks, right? Candlesticks, Lead pipes, uh, monkey wrenches, yeah, the whole deal. Uh, home office spokesperson bureaucrat said there were already extensive restrictions in place to control the sale and possession of knives. Quote, the law already prohibits the possession of offensive weapons in a public place and the possession of knives in public without good reason or lawful authority, with the exception of a folding pocket knife with a blade not exceeding three inches. Offensive weapons are defined as any weapon designed for, attempted to cause, uh, or adapted to cause injury, or intended by the person possessing them to do so. An individual has to demonstrate that he had a good reason to possess a knife, for example, fishing or sporting purposes, or as a part of his profession as a chef in a public place. The manufacture, sale, and importation of 17 bladed, pointed, and other offensive weapons have been banned, in addition to thick knives and gravity knives. A spokesperson for the Association of Chief Police Officers said, ACPO supports any move to reduce the number of knife-related incidents. However, it is important to consider the practicalities of enforcing such changes.
Translation, we can't enforce this. How could they possibly enforce this? I don't know how they could. They're going to have another knife amnesty where everybody who's got a knife is going to have to go and, uh, and turn them in. And if they don't, then I guess they'd be subject to a fine if somebody happened to uh, catch them with a knife in their kitchen. Maybe they're going to have a snitch line for people with knives in their kitchen. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. That includes the wiki. It's like the listener editable version of our website. See what I mean? By head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. To the phones, to the fun, Tom in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Tom. Uh, yeah, back in April, that uh, Virginia Tech shooter there, he went out and uh, shot all those innocent people there, mm-hmm. which is a terrible sin. Sure and was. Then, uh, then he, he shot himself, which some people would say is suicide is also a sin uh, in their religion. And, uh, you know, that was totally a uh, wrong thing. And what set him off, if you take a look at the record, was back in December there when he was feeling suicidal. Mm-hmm. They had him go to this shrink uh, who did an evaluation and signed off on papers for a court order to have him locked up for an evaluation at the mental hospital. Okay. Now, and if that means that he's going to be going back to court shortly for a commitment hearing. So you can see, I mean, nobody can possibly overlook the absurdity of such an evaluation there where he, he can't tell them what's bothering him. Because if they find anything wrong with him, then he gets committed and drugged. Right, who wants that? Right, so he's going to act as normal as he possibly can in order to get it back out in the real world. If you wish to give up your right to remain silent, anything you say can and will be used as evidence against you in a court of law, literally. Give me some of that. That's great. So what what, uh, he should have done was called up that same shrink, Kathy M. Godby, MSW, her office, and schedule another appointment saying, I got let out, but, you know, I still do have some issues here. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he could have gone back there and settled that account, and then the 911 dispatcher would have sent him a whole bunch of targets, and it wouldn't have been suicide because he would have been taken out by enemy fire on the battlefield and resistance to tyrants' is obedience to God, so he would have gone straight to heaven. Well, I'm not sure that he uh, necessarily agrees with heaven, um, and I can't imagine why it is that he did what he did, but he's clearly a lunatic. Um, so, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, resisting the police after taking out the, uh, the state-paid shrink? Well, he would have made the. uh, It'd be less of a tragedy. Pay a price. The Commonwealth of Virginia would have paid a price for locking him up that time for the evaluation. See, they would. If you park in a crosswalk, you pay the price with cash. If you lock somebody up unjustly, you pay the price with cops. 
Uh, I don't think that the Commonwealth sees it that way. Is, is Virginia a Commonwealth? I thought it only. That is, I believe. I yeah. thought only uh, Pennsylvania and uh, Massachusetts were Commonwealth. No. And Kentucky also. Oh. Okay. Well, what does that mean besides state? Uh, it means state. Okay. Uh, it means pretty much the same thing. Those words are synonymous. It's just uh, Virginia, Massachusetts, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania call themselves Commonwealths, but. The, that's their official title, is Commonwealth of Virginia. But even so, the Virginia-D.C. border is still called the state line. But anyway... So yes, wait, yes. wait, are you saying that the, that, uh, the Virginia Tech shooter should have taken out the state's shrink? And, and, some, and the cops that were sent off, to uh, save it. Because she sent him to the, uh, the crazy house? Yeah, for getting him sent to the crazy house. That's what he should have done. And then when somebody called the cops, then he could have started uh, making the Commonwealth pay a price with cops' blood for sending them to the instead of the kids. Uh, you know what? If I had to pick one of the other, uh, one or the other, I'd rather choose your scenario, Tom. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I mean, if I had to pick, obviously I'd prefer there be no violence. It but... seems it seems to me that the uh, people that uh, that got killed were true innocents, whereas um, you know his his problem could very well have been with the state because the state locked him up. Right. I don't know. I'm sure that he felt that he got the right victims. Um, in his <laughs> case, I, I'm sure that this sick, twisted, crazy man felt like he got the right victims. Um, there's not much you're going to do to defend against a guy who's ready to die yeah. while committing a crime. I, I, what do you do? Well, all you can do is be armed and ready, and in this case, they weren't able to, to no, be they, in that they, Unfortunately, the state, that, the state of Virginia had disarmed them with a law that said it was against the law <laughs> to carry... The Commonwealth? <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, um, they, they disarmed <laughs> those victims. They're the ones to blame for this. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, let's, let's continue with a... Because I know he had gone... Uh, Mr. Cho, I believe his name was. I know he had gone to kill off a girl that he had, I guess, been interested in. I guess she was his first victim. And so I know you've got a story about girlfriends and boyfriends and uh, a judge stepping in between. What's this all about, Mark? Um, It's from Peterborough, Ontario. A judge has ruled, this is just strange. A judge has ruled that a 24-year-old Canadian man is not allowed to have a girlfriend for the next three years. How do you stop a guy from having a girlfriend? Well, I suppose uh, you keep tabs on him. But uh, how well... Uh, Anytime he talks to a girl, you need to ask him some questions. <laughs> how do you know when he talks to a girl? Well, you have to follow him. But <laughs> they're not going to do that. No, they're not. Have you ever seen probation officers? They may. They want you to come drop by the office once a month, yeah. and then you fill out a little paperwork and give them some money. Mm. And then um, once every quarter, they may drop by your house. Well, if they find a girl there, then he's going to be in trouble. This is, this is my sister. <laughs> she cleans the house. Whatever. So what's the story? All right. A judge has ruled that a 24-year-old Canadian man is not allowed to have a girlfriend for the next three years. The ruling came after Stephen Canley pleaded guilty on Tuesday to several charges stemming from an assault on a former girlfriend. Mm. Cranley? Yeah, Cranley, excuse me. Who has been diagnosed with a dependent personality disorder, attacked his girlfriend in an argument after their breakup. He tried to prevent her from phoning the police by cutting her phone cord and punched and kicked her. He finally stabbed himself with a butcher knife. <laughs> <laughs> when the police did, he, this guy will take care of himself. By the way, I see mean, now if if this had been in Great Britain, he would not have been able to stab himself with that butcher knife. Yeah, well, he he stabbed himself with a, a butcher knife when the police arrived, puncturing his aorta. That sounds bad. It's very bad. Um, it's it's like he just made it. That's his heart almost. The aorta's up by yeah, the heart. That's the right? Big one. Um, doctors say Cranley has uh, difficulty coping with rejection and probably punctures, <laughs> and probably punctures in his aorta too, and runs a high risk of, re- of uh, to reoffend if he becomes involved in another Uh-oh. intimate relationship. <laughs> 
Justice Raines Morgan said Cranley cannot form a romantic relationship. Well, we need, you know what we need is like, um, maybe, you know how they used to have the scarlet A, the mm-hmm. scarlet letter? You, if you were caught um, having sex outside of marriage, you'd get this A mm-hmm. essentially um, stenciled onto your clothing, that sort of thing. That's maybe what, we need a fiction story, yes. Maybe we need like a, a C, like a letter C for crazy. So we can just <laughs> stamp on people's foreheads. But you that know, way, any girl that sees that would know. Oh my goodness, we got. I got to stay away from this guy. But at that point, you know, then then the then you spiral down the crazy nightmare because you know then the government's deciding who's crazy and who's not, and every one of us, as far <laughs> as the government's concerned, is crazy. I wasn't really serious. And everybody's got to see. Right. So it's like the uh, star-bellied snitches. So what else? So what else about the story? Are so, you going to say what the hell's a star-bellied snitch? I don't know if I want to know what that is. <laughs> It's a Dr. Seuss book where um, only the uh, high-class sneeches have uh, stars on their bellies, and the oh, low-class ones don't. Well, then the low-class ones say, well, I'm going to be a star-bellied sneech, sure. too, so he get, they get stars. And then the star-bellied sneeches, well, then we have to have two. And pretty yeah. soon, um, there's all the, you know, they've got a whole bunch of stars on their bellies, and then the high-class ones remove all their stars to show that they're mm. the high-class ones. Got it. And the roles are reversed. Very strange stuff. But I thought it was good. So three good, years, good he's not allowed to talk to girls for three years? Yeah. He's uh, not allowed to date them or talk to them? It, well, it says here that he uh, cannot form a romantic relationship of an intimate nature with a female person. So he can have a hooker, or he can have a gay, uh-huh. a gay relationship, yeah. but not with a female person. Um, that is the only way that I can see the protection of the public is in place until you get the counseling that you need. Why not just force him to go into a gay relationship? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna tell people who they can and can't see, let's go all the way. Obviously, son, it, you're not. We're, obviously, son, you're having trouble with the uh, the female set. So I we're going to force you to have. I can see the concern the judge has here. What the hell do you do? How do you enforce this nonsense? It's nonsense. It's impossible. Now, Cranley's already served 146 days on pretrial custody, which uh, Morgan said was enough jail time in the case. His lawyer says that no girlfriend order is the first of its kind and that he's encountered. And I'm sure that it's the first of its kind ever. Well, at least they're not suing him like they are with the Girls Gone Wild creator. Woo! While he's in his jail cell, he's facing lawsuits. 800-259-9231. That's on the way. Some statistics from Australia about their gun control miserable failure. It's all coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then AMP us. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. For as little as three bucks a month, you can help support Free Talk Live and get us on more radio stations across the country. You see, we're kind of a... Even though we're a big-sounding radio show, we really got a, just a very small budget behind the scenes. And honestly, we could use your assistance because we need to get on more stations. We've only got about 25 at this point, which is better than the 12 or so we had last year. Yeah. And the you reason- know, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at uh, an old, uh, by accident in my Word, I clicked on a package and it opened up the wrong um Things. It was one of from, your old sales. One sheets. of my old sales sheets from like a year ago or something. It's so cute. All those, all those little tiny stations. In those little markets. And yeah. now we've got Boston and Miami and mm-hmm. uh, Indianapolis. And so uh, it's all because of the amplifier. So the reason why this show is spreading as fast as it is is because of. Listeners like you that have ponied up three bucks a month. Now, it's completely your option. If you've been to our website, you know that all the features there are free, so this is above and beyond all that. It's a voluntary contribution on your part. You do get access to some perks, like the AMP-only call-in line, AMP-only forum, AMP-only only chat room, all those details 
amp.freetalklive.com. You know, uh, what I like is um, when we tell people about our, in the business, mm-hmm. when we go to these conventions, we tell people about our show that we're, you know, we're syndicated ourselves and that we're growing, you know, something like a station every two or three weeks. People look it's more at, like a, one a month, but well, okay. if, if you averaged out over, um, yeah. but that's not fair. I mean, at this point, at one point, we were getting one station every three months, and now yeah. we're getting stations much more uh, readily and quickly than that. So, I mean, we've picked up pace. It depends on how you decide to average them out. Um, I could uh, do the numbers to where we're getting them. Uh, every well, nonetheless, months. what's your point about this? Um, it's just funny to see people that are like, really. They can't believe it. They can't believe that we're getting syndicated. Yeah. They can't believe that we're being successful um, without being with one of the, the huge companies. They can't believe that we're, we're making this happen. And it's really because of the amplifiers. It absolutely is. Uh, I was called the uh, Talkers Magazine publisher, Michael Harrison, called me the king of the independents the mm-hmm. other day. And I don't know if he was just blowing smoke. but sure well, Of course did, he was, but it sure it's did, fine. It sure did feel nice. Mm-hmm. And it's all because it of It shows guys. that it's working, if yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Amp.freetalklive.com. Go there. Help support the show. We would really appreciate it. All right. So we were talking about, or I guess we were going to get into a story about Australia here. Because we're done with that story about the guy that's yes. uh, been banned from seeing girls. A <laughs> uh, little bit of news from Australia. From Ed Chanel, a police officer in Australia. He says, hi, Yanks. I thought you all would like to see the real figures from Down Under. Mm-hmm. It's been, uh, now it's been... <laughs> you sound like you're ready to sell it out back steak. It has now been 12 months since gun owners in Australia were forced by a new law, and I have no idea when this was written, uh, by a new law to surrender 640,381 personal firearms to be destroyed by our own government, a program costing Australia taxpayers more than $500 million. The first year results are now in. Australia-wide, homicides are up 6.2%. Australia-wide assaults are up 9.6%. Armed robberies are up 44%. That's right, 44%. In the state of Victoria alone, homicides with firearms are now up 300%. Note that while the law-abiding citizens turned their guns in, the criminals, of course, did not, and criminals therefore still possess their weapons. While figures of the past 25 years showed a steady decrease in armed robbery with firearms, this has changed drastically upward in the past 12 months, since the criminals now are guaranteed that their prey is unarmed. There's also been a dramatic increase in break-ins and assaults of the elderly while the resident is at home. And that, by the way, mirrors what has happened in Great Britain as well. After Great Britain outlawed all handguns uh, from private ownership... There was a dramatic increase in daytime home invasion uh, when somebody was actually sure. in the house. You can go in the house. I mean, if you're a big guy, you've got a baseball bat, you can go in the house and take whatever you want. Nobody's got a gun now, right? Or a big guy with a gun, especially. Well, if you happen to have a gun, but... Australian politicians are at a loss to explain how public safety has decreased after such monumental effort and expense was expended in successfully ridding Australian society of guns, so-called. You won't see this on the American Evening News or hear your governor or members of the state assembly disseminating this information. The Australian experience speaks for itself. Guns in the hands of honest citizens save lives and property. And yes, gun control laws only affect the law-abiding citizens. Take note, Americans, before it's too late. Words of wisdom, words to heed. Mm. That's what happens. You take guns out of the hands of regular folk, and the people that have them... Are the criminals yep. and the government. Outlaw or I should guns say the, and only outlaws have guns. I mean the criminals and the other criminals. Let's go to the phones. It's Richard in Australia. As a matter of fact, you're on Free Talk Live. What, what, a, what a potpourri of rampant stupidity topics we've got to talk about. Yeah. First off, just, just back you up on that uh, amplifier line. If you can't give up a hamburger a month for liberty, then you've got to ask yourself whether you're really serious or not. I yeah. was going to uh, 
speak about the, the knives and how it's a great example of that I use with people just to show how the restrictions progress to the point where ultimately they're going to affect non-violent, non-weapon owning in mm -hmm. those people's mind, actually affect them in their, their, their home. Um, you know, it's the, it's the type of situation that actually makes you, could, makes you wish you could swear on radio. The world has gone insane. And in case you're just tuning in, Richard's referring to the United Kingdom seriously looking at banning long-bladed kitchen knives. Pointed long-bladed kitchen knives. Seriously. Yeah, yeah on, on, the, on the words of ten chefs, that uh, you know, it's like that, that <laughs> one in ten dentist uses whatever toothpaste brand. If you want them, you can find them. It's just, it's, it's just insanity, and people who think that it's actually going to make any difference whatsoever just need their head read. Yeah, look, absolutely. You, 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 you talked about the, the handguns, and that's the, um, those figures sound familiar to me. Just to give you guys an example, because you've got the, the freedoms with firearms, I, I own handguns over here. To get a licence, I have to get a police check. I have to get fingerprinted. I can only fire my gun at an approved range. I can't take it away when I go hunting. Mm -hmm. When I fire it at an approved range, I have to record the time and the date, the serial number of the gun that I used, Jeez. and I have to also say what of a number of approved competitions I participated in. Mm. Every wow. single every single time, and all that onus falls on the, the clubs. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is we used to have these blokes who just head down to the range, have a bit of a ping at a paper target, but now that they've approved these competitions, um, IPSC and, and ICOR, basically they're now forcing these people who were just happy to shoot paper targets to participate in competitions whereby you have to learn how to load quickly, draw from a holster, load on the run, and fire a number of shots. Wait a minute. Are you session. saying that you can't just go to the range and shoot at some you know, cans against a backdrop of sand? You actually have to um, enter into some sort of a competition in order to actually shoot at a range? You can do some target practice, but if you want to keep your gun and you want to keep your license you have to participate in a minimum of 10 of these officially sanctioned competitions a year. Mm. 10 a year? Jeez, that, that'll keep you year. busy. That's like being a, a, a that's volunteer firefighter, practically. Yeah, that's for one gun. If you've got um, three guns like I have, then uh, it's 10 in one, six in one, four in another. And if you don't participate <sighs> in that, the police come in. Uh, oh, well, you get, oh, up, you get a, a letter. But the police come in, take your guns, take your license, and no compensation whatsoever. That's, that's an extreme level if you don't obey the, the notices, obviously, but they've got those powers. Police can turn wow. up any reasonable time to my house and inspect my weapons. And if I fail to comply with the, the safe or the storage requirements, then they just take the guns and I have to start going through a uh, process with the licensing services in order to get them back. Wow, I am I'm almost speechless on this. I mean, I didn't realize it had gotten that insane out there. That's nuts, so. I mean, Mark, you and I are pretty busy guys. I, I've had a couple guns upstairs that I've been interested in firing, and, and actually it's really been a physical uh, problem that I've had that I haven't really been able to go out and do that, but I will be able to soon. But nonetheless, finding the time to do so can be somewhat challenging. I mean, if you're a busy person, um, I work on weekends. I can't yep. imagine. I mean, you might as well be in the Army Reserves. And wait, now, how often are they offering these competitions that you can uh, participate in? Well, our, our club, uh, we, make sure, we make sure that we've got uh, competitions on Thursday night, Sunday during the day, and Monday evening. So we, we make sure that people have got plenty of opportunity 
to comply. Now, can you but form that, your own club, or does it have to be government-sanctioned? Does it have to be government-approved clubs? <laughs> I think you know the answer to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, has yes. to be, uh, it has to be government-approved. The range has to be uh, approved. Uh, everything has to be approved. What about fees? What about competition fees? Well, they're, they're determined by... We, we, char- we, charge, um, we charge people 10 bucks for competition, which covers our, our range higher mm-hmm. uh, costs, and it's, it's about 70 bucks a year to actually join our club, and you, you pay extra if you want to get uh, a year unlimited use at the, the range. You know, that's, that's on top of the licensing fees for year, which for handguns run into about uh, just shy of 200 bucks for three years. How many uh, rounds do you have to fire at any given competition? Well, you don't have to fire a particular number of, of rounds. Usually uh, in our competitions, we do it from anywhere between 30 and 60 rounds. Amazing, because shooting is an expensive sport. I mean, it's not <laughs> cheap. Tell to me about it. There. Wow, amazing story, Richard. Thanks for sharing it with no us. We worries. really appreciate hearing from you, sir. Good day, sir. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free SACL CAI line for you. Insanity. Want to hear from you about whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, it is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Well, she pegged that one, didn't Toll she? free, she got me on that one, yeah. <laughs> laughing, uh, laughing as I come into hour number three here, it's all Julia's fault. Yep. We'll have to have her explain that tomorrow night. 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com as we go to the amplifier line. It is Zach in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live, Zach. Hi. um, I have some excellent news out of South Carolina tonight. Really? Uh, I called a while ago talking about the real ID legislation that we had in the state. But it had the stipulation that we would only not comply with real ID until the federal government funded it. Well, that that law ended up passing, but not before it was amended in committee. And it was amended to drop all of that to just say that we will not comply, and that's all. Period. And it was signed Period. by the governor into law yesterday. Wow, we're not complying. End C- of story. Congratulations. That's uh, that's fantastic news. We need more of that. What did you tell me yesterday, Mark, that 34 states had passed similar legislation? Oh, I don't remember saying that at all. Somebody told me something. There was some, some obscene number of uh, states that have jumped on the anti-real ID bandwagon. Well, they're not scared now. Right. You know, the, the, some people have uh, got out in front of the parade, and so, well, okay. Yeah, exactly right. Any other thoughts for us, Zach? Nope, that was it. Thanks for the update. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's good news. In case you don't know, Real ID is legislation that was passed in the, at the federal level, I think it was in 2005, May of 2005. They said that in three years' time, all states must have this Real ID, this national identification card, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it would still have your state name on it, but all of the other information that would appear on it would be federally standardized. 
and the Department of Homeland Security would be in charge of determining what right. those standards Some were. Some great little idea the uh, federal government came up with, but they decided not to fund it. They said, well, you know, the states have their own driver's licenses. They fund their own driver's licenses, and we'll just give them some rules for their driver's license, and they, they can come in compliance that way. Yeah. The states said, there's no way we can do that. Oh, so, the, yeah, the states would have been happy to implement this new tyranny on America as long as the feds were ponying up uh, taxpayer dollars. Right, if they, if they would have had uh, some money to go along with this, you can believe that the real ID would have gone through. Yeah, that's the only mistake the they made. Dumb feds just messed it up. Right, so uh, so the states galvanized against it, and uh, as a result, the activists had enough time to really get moving and say, you know, not only is this a bad idea because it's not funded, but it's a bad idea because it's centralization, it's a national ID card, and in a so-called free country, that should be pretty much something we don't need, you national papers. It's bad enough that we have state papers. We don't need more uh, centralization in that area. So, um, as time has gone on, more and more states have passed legislation and resolutions basically saying, flip off to the federal government. We're not participating in your little scheme. Now, the feds are going to still huff and puff about this. They uh, they aren't going to like this very much. Now, oh, I think that they're going to... They, they... They should just let it go. They should just let it go. I don't know if they will or not, because the feds were claiming that if a state did not participate in this federal program, come on, that, that they were point. not going to allow that state to, uh, they were not going to allow anyone to come into federal property without the real ID. They were not going to allow you to get on um, airplanes without the real ID. But if 34 out of the 50 states aren't participating in real ID, their their plan's pretty much sunk. Yeah, they're 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 done, and they might as well forget about it. Yeah, it, requ- it really required compliance, and it doesn't look like anybody wants to comply. Speaking of compliance, a few interesting statistics, maybe a couple months too late, but interesting nonetheless, from the Advocates for Self-Government. Now, these are a great organization of liberty-oriented people. The Advocates exist to help you communicate liberty to, other, uh, to others, to friends, to family members, to total strangers. They've got some great books and tapes and things like that on communicating liberty, and you can go to theadvocates.org to learn more about them. But they put out a great um, bi-weekly newsletter, and it's called the Liberator Online. It's got some, I think it's probably the most subscribed to online libertarian newsletter in the world. They've got something like 70,000 subscribers wow. to this thing, which is that's a pretty significant number. I would agree. James Harris uh, edits Good News, Bad News, Unbelievable News, and one of them, uh, one of his stories was America's Tax Nightmare. U.S. taxpayers using any of the 1040 tax form series will spend an average of 24.2 hours and $207 completing their returns this year. Furthermore, tax laws are now so complex that no one inside or outside of the government really even understands them. And that's according... Hold hold, hold, on. Did they say that the government understands their own tax law? No, they said no one inside or outside of the government understands it. I thought it was no one outside of the government Mm -hmm. understands. No No. one, period. No, because the the IRS agents uh, fail to properly answer the questions that people uh, give them on their little phone line. Half the time. Yeah, about 40 to 50 percent of the time. They get the most basic, the top ten most basic questions about the 1040 form. They get them wrong mm-hmm. on the IRS's own helpline. Now, now, all of this information is a study from the National Taxpayers Union, or the NTU. Quote, the federal income tax system has become so complex that no one outside of re- or even inside the IRS understands it, says their senior counselor, David Keating. Last year, taxpayers were forced to give up half a billion hours more of their time than they did in the year of 2000. So in just six years, they've now done uh, an extra half a billion hours. Uh, taxpayers are now doing a half a billion hours more work in one. Uh, in an, in, I don't in doubt one it year. at all. It's complicated. 
Here's some uh, some more shocking numbers for you. Americans spent 6.65 billion hours in 2006 complying with the tax laws. The IRS accounts for nearly four out of five uh, every excuse me four out of every five pa- paperwork burden hours imposed by the entire federal government. Assuming an average total hourly compensation rate of $23.75, this time is worth seven seventy five point five billion U.S. dollars. Jeez. That's money and time that could have been spent building your business. It could have been spent with your kids. Mm-hmm. It could have been spent enjoying some leisure time, a movie, or something else like that. But no, instead you're slaving over the IRS's paperwork. You know, I can't even. I, I can't even tell you. I think uh, my wife spent maybe thirty or forty hours this year mm-hmm. on our taxes. I don't think it was as bad as it has been in the years past. But there were receipts and pieces of paper right everywhere. I mean, she had them in different piles around the office, trying to get the stuff done. Sure, it's not. It's crazy. Approximately three point four five billion of those hours were incurred by businesses. The value of this time is one hundred and fifty six point five billion. An amazing forty four percent of total corporate income taxes collected in the year 2006. Consumers, of course, eventually bear the brunt of this as they pass on their costs. The average compliance time for individual taxpayers was more than a full day, a sickening 24.2 hours. That's right. An entire day of your year was wasted spent, on average, was wasted spent on taxes, filling out tax forms. And this doesn't include the extra cost of tax planning or tax minimization strategies or the huge cost to the That's U.S. True. economy of high tax rates. You know, they're, they're definitely people go throughout their year with, uh, you know, tax minima- minimization strategies, as they've, uh, they've called it. They live their lives a little differently. Mm-hmm. They record their gas mileage. Well, like you, when we were driving back from New York City, you got a uh, receipt for every toll that you went through. Right. Every toll I go through, I take a receipt. That takes every, a little extra time right there. You know, whenever I get uh, gasoline bills, you know, I, I have to write down mileage that was spent uh, going here and going there. Um, don't forget, uh, you know... Receipts for going out to eat, all kinds of things. Yep. There's all kinds of things. It's a whole lifestyle change. It's, that's nuts. I personally am not interested in going through all that crap. So nope. don't bother. No, bother. Uh, some taxpayers have, have fare far worse. In 2006, self-employed taxpayers had to toil for over 80 hours on average, two 40-hour work weeks, to satisfy filing requirements. Counting expenses for software, tax preparers, postage, etc., along with time, individuals incurred an incredible $102 billion in expenses to meet the IRS's tax filing rules. Between the 108th and 109th Congress, the Joint Committee on Taxation's General Explanation of Tax Legislation, how's that for a mouthful, went from 593 to one. Whew, to 841 pages, a 42% increase. Is somebody expected to know the information on those pages? That's just the Joint Committee on Taxation's general explanation of tax legislation. That's not even the actual Federal Register the uh, or wherever it is that the tax code is You remember located. when Al Gore showed the, the tax law and it fit on a pallet? He brought yeah. it out on a forklift. Was that Al Gore? I thought it was Al Gore, yeah. I don't know about that. Keating also notes the alternative minimum tax, a Byzantine scheme that could trap over 30 million taxpayers by 2010, could make compliance burdens even wells, worse. Well, of course, it's not going to get better. You take control. Ed Brown update coming up from David, New Hampshire. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. 
All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us, including updates. You just get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones to Fish on the Amplifier line in Virginia. Hey, Fish, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. Good. What's on your mind? Well, um, long-time listener. Well, a long time, just since December, and I've uh, had the first time calling in. Congrats. Um, What's went, up? I went ahead and amped when uh, Mark came out of the closet. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to explain that to people. Uh, you guys, uh, yeah, when, you, when you guys came out with that information um, about Mark's conviction, mm-hmm. uh, that, that did a lot for me uh, as far as... Uh, First of all, the first thing I did was went straight to your website and amped. First thing I did. What was that first thing? What? I went to your website and amped. Okay. Yes. As many um, people did. Right. Uh, that's uh, in fact I, I remember you saying that, and I was like, hey, that was one of those people. Yes, sir. So anyway, um, I have a lot to talk about, but this time we'll just talk about the Commonwealth of Virginia. Indeed. So what about it? Um, I get into arguments quite often about the Commonwealth of Virginia and what the Commonwealth means. Um, okay. A little bit of research that I've done. It sounds very communist to me. It does. It does. It, you're right, it does. I mean, and the wealth shared commonly. Yeah. Right. It's kind of what it sounds like. We have, we have personal property tax here. Uh, I don't know what you guys have. What is there. exactly what is personal, yeah. personal property tax? What does that mean? Personal property tax is a tax you pay on items you own of large amounts. So now hold on a second. Like now we've talked like about you, you pay a special tax on having a car? Huh. Wait, wait, what, what, are, what were some of the other items? Clothes? No, no, no. Car, Cars, boats. boats. Uh, typically large items. What about like a big screen TV set? No, no, no. ATV. Uh, I'm not sure where the boundaries lie exactly. So it's all ve- is it, it all vehicles? Items. Yeah, it's typically it's all vehicles. Okay. Trailers, Those are things that you have to take outside so they can, they can see them. Right. <laughs> um, right. So anyway, our governors uh, the past few years have... Uh, kind of said, the last few elections have kind of said, well, we want to get rid of the car tax. The car tax, of course, not personal property tax. Mm-hmm. Car tax. But anyway. Um, so people say, well, the reason you have personal property tax is because you're a commonwealth. Not true. No, um, there's true. plenty of there's plenty of states, including New Hampshire, that basically has the same thing you're talking about. If you uh, you register your car, it's going to cost different for different, different types of cars. Uh, sure, my wife registered do, her... You pay, a, you pay a continual fee just to own the car. Essentially, that's correct. Um, here in, in New Hampshire, addition, it's basically addition, the same thing. In addition to your registration. Now, I'm not saying it's the same amount. I have no idea. Um, I, as I recall, I paid uh, about something like $200 to register my 2004 Honda Element, well, now, whereas my wife's car is an old beater, and she didn't pay anywhere way, near I that. I want to share with you, I have an Element also. I yeah, well, I, I'd like to <laughs> They're point, ugly, but what are you going to do? I'd like to point out that um, I... W- I wouldn't have been surprised if they were taxing things that were in your house as well, because there are some states where there are what they have, I think they call them business property taxes, where you go in, and I don't know if that's the right term, but you basically you have to inventory all the things you have in your business, mm-hmm. from your, you know, the amount of desks you have to chairs and all the stuff in your office, and then you get taxed on that. So it wouldn't right. have surprised me, but go ahead. Well, they, okay, well, they don't have that as far as I know. They don't have anything like that. Uh, Pat Robertson bought... Fox News or something, or no, I'm sorry, Fox Family or something along those lines, some some news or some uh, family channel he okay. bought recently, and he broadcast that out of here, and the state tried to charge him personal property tax on the satellite in, in the sky. 
Oh my goodness! Now, did he? Were they successful? Because he's a religious guy, and, uh, no, they, and they, they were not successful. And Jesus doesn't like to get tagged. <laughs> yeah, they, they they tried. As far as I know, as far as I remember, they were able to uh, get past that. But anyway, I mean, I don't um, like Pat Robertson, but I don't even think he should have had to right, pay that. Yeah, yeah, I don't like him either. Uh, I work. I, I, I he's pretty much in my backyard. Um, oh, he's dead. So. I mean, is he in your backyard for real? Because he could be. No, no, no. He's not dead. Oh, yes, he is. Pat Robertson died this year. I thought that was Robertson died this Jerry year. Falwell. Oh, that was Falwell. Falwell. Whatever. They're interchangeable as far as I'm concerned. Recently. I saw him recently. I don't think he's dead. Wait, who was the old lady that died today? Was that his wife? Who died today? I have no Some, idea. I have no idea. Somebody Graham. Maybe that. it was Billy Graham's wife. Maybe. I I know, there's no so idea. many damn preachers. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Sorry about that. So, um, this whole Commonwealth thing, as far as I can tell, it's a word. As Tom, I think it was Tom that said, it's a word. Uh, it has something to do with uh, it's our money. It's our wealth, mm. not the, not the English's wealth. Oh, I see. Along, along those lines, hmm. they don't like the word state. Well, I certainly don't like the word state, but I also don't like the Great. word commonwealth. They all sound yucky to me. Why? But it, but in the in the time um, at the time it was the king's wealth or the you know where the ruler was at that point. Time, Very good, it was, fish. It was their wealth. Thank you for cluing us in. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line to Mike in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Mike. Mike uh, in Canada. Yeah. Hey there. Uh, you mentioned something about taxation. Yes. And I'd like to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. For the past, uh, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years, I've been kind of uh, part of a loose form group on the Internet, and we've been doing a lot of research in the tax laws, and actually in English common law. I won't bore you with the details. Yeah, I was anyway, going to say, that sounds really you're, exciting, you're getting Mike. getting close already. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's actually important to understand these things before you, you know, before you I, can ever do anything. I any believe it's true, yes. But anyways, I've successfully stopped paying income tax, and they know about me. Congratulations. They don't bother me at all. What happened? How'd you do it? Well, it's actually quite simple. You see, um, basically, uh, the law requires, I mean... There are certain fundamental principles of law which which are common to all common law countries, which is Canada, United States, Great Britain, in, um, Australia, etc. Mm-hmm. Common law, yeah. Yeah, and you see, you can't get around these basic principles. You can't just write them off. These are maxims, and um, basically, you can't you can't go claiming somebody else's property or that they owe you something unless you can prove that there's either a contract or there's some sort of an exchange of goods and services that's that's traceable by some paper or 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 palpable contract okay and so um we basically boiled it down to uh uh, something very simple it's it's first of all how are they doing this like what that's the that's the basic question how is it that they can get around these these fundamental principles of law well they get you to contract with them right well, you do, but in a really, really sneaky way. They do it in a sneaky way with you. How do they do it up in Canada? Because I know down here they've got the, the W-4 form that you fill out when you no, get No, that's job. not it. That's not it. A lot of patriots get into, get into trouble because they wade through the, the hip wade through the minutia of, of, of the uh, mis, misinformation, disinformation. In other words, they're going in the wrong direction. It's actually much simpler than that. Okay. What is it? Um, basically, it's like this. Uh, they trick you into a kind of social contract, and it's through the name or identification that you use. And some patriots will know about this stuff, but the problem is that they, they're not hitting the nail on the head quite right, and so they get into trouble when they use this knowledge. Um, basically, if you look at your, um, if you look at your, uh, your um, birth certificate, it all starts, that's a foundational document, and the trouble all starts with that. 
you use it, you see, it doesn't have the name of a living person on it or a, a living, an individual or, or a man or a woman. It actually, it's actually a legal fiction that was created by government. And you can tell that it's a legal fiction because it's all in capital letters, right? No, that, that, is, that, is, a, that is not right. <laughs> I want you to clear us up on this because we've heard all kinds of things over the no, years. No, I'll clear we'll, it up once it's We'll wrong. see what you have to say. Do. Hang on, Mike, in Canada. Mike doesn't sound quite as crazy no. as the rest of the people that have proposed this, so we're giving him another yeah, segment. I want to hear what this is all about. At least a portion of a segment. I want to find out how we can get people out of taxes because that would be wonderful. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Live streams there. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. So enjoy those on us. And wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to nevergetbusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that's gained world attention. That's nevergetbusted.com. As we go back to the phones and back to Mike in Canada. Now, Mike, you had just begun to tell us how you discovered how to get out of paying income taxes. Um, now, you live in Canada, but you're telling us something that theoretically should apply, at least here in America and maybe in some other countries around the world. As you said, countries that are based on common law, um, this should apply in. And or, in fact, it's actually commercial law. I mean, it, it, and commercial law blankets the globe, at least in all so-called civilized countries. You, you had said, just to recap here, you had said that basically what the government does is it tricks people into some sort of a social contract or an agreement, yeah. and you said that the first step in this process is the birth certificate. Can well, in you fact, expand? It is, it is pretty well the step. What happens is, first of all, these, this patriot, the patriot movement, they, they get fixated on the uppercase, lowercase BS. And it is a bunch of, it's a bunch of bull. Okay. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter how you spell the thing. It is, it only matters whose head it comes from. If it comes from government, it's always fiction. It doesn't matter whether it's uppercase or lowercase. They just happen to stylize these names in uppercase. So that's not the issue. It, it doesn't matter. It's, if, you, if you mean to create a name as a legal fiction, whether it's IBM or International Business Machines, whether it's uppercase or lowercase, it's still a legal fiction. Or whether it's Mark Edge. Oh, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it could be written in Chinese. If you mean it to be a fiction, it is what it is. And, and so... This patriot movement gets—they get fixated on the spelling of the name, and then they bring this up in court, and then they get steamrolled by the judge because he just ignores them because they're just saying all the wrong things. They're implementing the knowledge in the wrong way. Hmm. Okay. See what we do in Canada. What we've recently, uh, within probably the past two years, we've pretty well honed it to a fine edge. We've cut through the BS, and we've and we just basically boiled it down to this. You see, you have a choice under common law as to what name you identify yourself with. You can either choose your name or somebody else can choose a name for you. But if you choose a government-created name, the name on the birth certificate, then you are basically enfranchising yourself into the government club, and the club rules apply to you. Now, hold on a second. Now, how can this be possible when this is all done by your parents? It's not actually you. No, it's not done by your parents. The parents, see, this is another myth. Your parents can't enter you into a contract. 
And then there's another myth that, that they say, well, you know, the parent, because the parents fill out a statement of birth or whatever you call it in the U.S., it, it's called in, in, in this province that I live in, it's called a statement of, of birth. Mm-hmm. They, they think that because you, that your parents fill out a, a statement of birth, this somehow enters you into slavery. This is crap. There is, no, there is absolutely no tenet in law. There's no principle in law that you could possibly apply that would make that true. This is a myth. So then what is happening there? The government is uh, creating this legal fiction that has the same name as the name that your parents gave you. And, and a card with, with, with a birth date with that, that supposedly has your, your birth date on it. And mm-hmm. so what this does is it makes you think it's, it's misdirection. And they call it a birth certificate, but it's in fact the birth certificate, according, according to our Registrar General in Ontario... She's even admitted the birth certificate was never meant to be used as identification, and it does not have an individual's name on it. She, made, she, she admitted that. It wasn't meant to be used as identification. What was it meant for? Well, that like. would require quite a, quite a bit of, of air time, to, and I won't get into that. And you don't have you, it. <laughs> sorry? And you don't have it. <laughs> quite uh, yeah, a bit of air time. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, concision is tough. Um, but... They, the long and the short of it is, is that when you, when you, they hand you this card, and then when you start to use it, uh, you start to lay down a trail of evidence. You start to, uh, you start to sign your name under it, and and you start to apply for driver's licenses, and and so what what we found is that uh, we, you know, there's a num- there have been a number of tests that we've used in courts, and so people show up in court and they say, well. They just say that, well, uh, I choose not to be identified by the name on the certificate. And you know what the judge says? Hmm. Okay, you can go. See, it's a choice. Wait, okay. If you you don't say anything, they use presumption Mm -hmm. because everybody's doing it. But wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. So they've called you to the courtroom and you've all... I I have not personally been to court uh, partic- uh, like write the court using this issue. I use it in other ways with government, and it works too. Can you give me an so, example? Uh, well, let's see. Um, uh, the uh, Statistics, Statistics Canada uh, does the five or six year uh, uh, census. Census. Okay. You know, they send out census forms, mm-hmm. and everybody's got to answer uh, so-called personal questions. Right. Uh, give away your income and all, uh, divulge all sorts of things about your household. Well, they've called me twice. Uh, they first they send the notice and I ignore it. I throw it in the garbage, and then they and then they call me, and and I don't return the call. And then I just send a, uh, an email to the director in uh, here in Ottawa, the director of that particular district, um, uh, a Mr. Newson, and I just say I choose not to be identified by the certificate. Please please consult with your staff lawyers as this is a jurisdictional issue. Thank you very much. And then I give. Them, the house number, and I don't give my name. Now, wait a second, Mike. Now, now you've um, gotten into the area of how the secret, the secret phrase of I choose not to be uh, identified by the name uh, listed on the certificate. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, all the government bureaucrats, I don't, know about, I don't know about Canada, but in the United States, at least half of the people are either employed by the government or receive government money in some way, shape, or form in the form of contracts, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, therefore... Um, a great deal of people know this secret. How does a secret stay secret if so many people know it? Well, let me put it to you this way. Um, the Deputy Registrar General here in, in Canada, in one of the provinces, has said that it's common knowledge amongst high-level government. Now, it's not common knowledge uh, on the ministerial level. 
uh, the bureaucrats, be the low-level bureaucrats, the, the mid, the mid-high, the high level. Like you're talking about deputies, deputy ministers, not the minister. The minister is the guy that gets elected, but the deputy minister is always the guy. He's the he's the actual uh, muscle behind the bureaucracy. Okay, they understand these things. Now there's layers below that they just don't tell them, and they they actually we figured out because because I've tested this, they're ignorant. The the, the front line. Uh, people are ignorant, and they're kept ignorant. Because, they're just following orders. Well, it's not so much following orders; is that they they they're kept ignorant, and they and they think they think it's your name, and so therefore they act on it. And there's a principle of law that says, basically, that all things are deemed to be done in good faith, even though they may be done negligently. In other words, it's not necessarily criminal until you tell the 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 the, the individual who's actually behave, misbehaving that it is criminal. In the eyes of the law, unless you let them know, because you have to give that them what knowledge. they're doing is wrong. Yeah, you have to give them knowledge first. And so, what I did with these people in Ottawa, and also the Canadian uh, Canadian tax people called the uh, CRA, which is your equivalent of the IRS, is I just sent them a letter and I say, well, um, I choose not to be recognized, et cetera, et cetera, and also show me the contract that uh, uh, that can compel me to perform. You see. You know, you know the Browns. What are they? Um, uh, the, the people Ed, that are in trouble. Yeah, Ed right and Elaine Brown in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've been listening. I've been following that, and and I don't know exactly what he said to them, but I, I think I know based on the little information that I have. And basically, he's saying, "Show me the law." You see, when you're under contract and you're and you're acting in the capacity of one of their little legal fiction slave people, uh, they don't have to. Sh- the, you're under contract and and you're a part of the system. You're 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 sucked into it. You've been assimilated, like mm-hmm. the Borg have done, <laughs> like in Star Trek. Right. So they don't really see. What, what not, if they say? What now? What, what if they say to you, uh, Mike? That okay? Well, we're going to show you. You want to see a contract? Well, here's your tax return from 1996. No, you, you signed here, and therefore you're in our system. No, that's that's not really what puts you into the contract. The contract starts when you start using their ID. You see, let's put it this so way. So I've been using government ID for years upon years. You're saying now I'm in and, that, you know, that's no, it? No, you, there... you're, you're not in for good. You're in until you say so. Because say I'm something. out. As far as I'm concerned, I, I would like to be out. And, yeah, and I... but, but you see, okay, here's the thing. It's not that simple because cops are ignorant. The frontline people are ignorant. What you have to do is, first of all, you have to, you have to uh, give the cop notice and you have to prove that you did. There have been, there this have been, is so uh, complex. Hang on, I'll bring you back a little bit. I want, to, I want to see if you have a website because you keep saying we. So there must be a group of some sort that we can go and learn more about this from, and I want to find out about that. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And uh, Dave's still hanging on, very patient. We'll get to him. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Only moments remain. 800-259-9231. We'll try to fit you in. That's the SACL CII toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And by the way, yeah, it sort of supports the show by proxy. I'm doing an auction. It's a personal auction. <laughs> uh, it's auction.freetalklive.com. 
That'll get you there. It's my Transformers toy collection. Generation 1 from 1984 to 1989. 89 Transformers. I think I've got the original 1984 Transformers lunchbox, the Transformers adventure game, Transformers the movie DVD. It's a hell of a little collection. And uh, it's up for auction right now at auction.freetalklive.com. Perfect time for you to get yourself uh, or expand your existing collection or get your own Transformers collection because, as you know, the Transformers movie coming out here in a matter of days. So uh, what better time to place a bid on that auction auction.freetalklive.com i want to take a quick break i want to come back to mike in canada but we're in such a deep conversation with mike i don't want to forget about dave in new hampshire he's been waiting patiently and i want to get a quick ed brown update from him dave you're on free talk live dave hello this is a a free talk live first and jump over yes well actually i'd forgotten about you dave so it's just me me being probably also first yeah well uh, here's the deal uh back in uh, the revolutionary war uh there was a southern general who led the British all over the south uh, in trying to fight them. He was defeated every time he fought them. But in chasing him around, they so alienated the population of the south that they ended up losing the war and losing the south before they lost the war. So the same sort of thing is happening with the Ed Brown situation. And I want to sort of quantify, for, quantify that for you guys a little bit statistically. Uh, as you know, there's a an Ed Brown website called makethestand.com. Uh, yeah, yeah I've okay? heard that. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a variety. Yeah, and it's, it's relatively new. It's basically just sort of a, net, a web forum dedicated to Ed Brown issues. And uh, they had 66 members join them yesterday. That's pretty significant, I suppose, for one day. Over the last week i think they've had about 200 all just since this last build-up um against ed brown and uh nhfree.com has had 50 joiners in the last week you know we're just basically a new hampshire website mm-hmm. uh and that's also a significant jump but the most in- important thing i guess is that the marshals have now admitted they were taking 200 phone calls an hour uh earlier this week uh complaining about the whole Ed Brown situation. So it's like they have done the same thing as the old British did when they were fighting the the southern generals. They've alienated the public by chasing this guy around. You mean, when you say they, you mean the government, the U.S. Marshals have alienated the public? I think so. Well, certainly a, per, a certainly a percentage. There are there's obviously the uh, the other percentage of the public that sides with the marshals, and there's still a significant uh, chunk. But yes, um, they've they've managed to successfully galvanize a a large amount of people against the feds in this particular case. Um, the fed, the Ed and Elaine Brown, have become a rallying cry, a rallying point uh, for many liberty lovers across the country. Something for them to get behind, something for them to support, and it's uh, it's in a way that they were ever ever unable to do in the past. And I think it's pretty unprecedented and and uh, and exciting. Unfortunately, there are two lives that hang in the balance. Yes, it is. That's the that's the problem. Uh, but you know, it's like I was saying yesterday. I think you know, Ed wants. He may not want exactly the same thing as all of us, but he wants people to rally to his cause. And uh, you know, to some extent, that is happening. Again, a lot of us who are active aren't exactly supporters of him and everything that he's done. Sure, but we are opponents of what the federal government is doing, and that's the part that counts. Yeah, we support the uh, the ability of individuals to keep the money they earned and spend and save and give it away in the ways that they think are best, and that's all that Ed did. And Elaine. Yeah, exactly. Dave, exactly. any other thoughts for us? 
Well, nothing I can think of. Thanks for the call, man. That Appreciate was Major it. General Nathaniel Green. Thank you for the call, sir. 800-259-9231. All right, let's continue our conversation with Mike in Canada. Mike, sorry about that. That's a little That's unprecedented, right. but poor Dave been waiting all hour. Oh, no, I understand. Uh, so we've been talking with you and uh, over a couple segments now at this point about the idea that people are sort of tacitly volunteering into this government system. They're essentially um, unwittingly agreeing to all of their rules and regulations and taxes and all of that. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like an enfranchisement. And you're you, saying there's you... a way out. You're saying there's a way out and that it's fairly simple? Well, it's, 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 simple, in, it's simple in its principle. However, it, it, it's not necessarily... Uh, it's, you see, it depends on how you implement it and, and, for, what you, uh, for, and for what you use it for. Um, what would the average American or Canadian who's been paying taxes every single year, who's fed up, who wants to give, get out of the system, what's, what's your suggestion as to how they go about doing that? Okay. In Canada, I'll just, I'll just give it to you like we do it in Canada. I, I, can't, I can't speak for Americans, um, but I can tell you that the principles are virtually the same. Um, okay. Here's what, here's what you do is, uh, suppose you suppose you're a, a contractor. You you know you you build your you build your clients. Uh, this is a this is the simplest scenario. You uh, you you basically write a letter and you send it to the tax man, right? The in this case the uh, the minister of national revenue, and uh, you basically say that well I choose not to be identified, you know, by the by the name on the birth certificate, and uh, I would be happy to to continue paying the income tax. However, I I need certain evidence. And you say, well, show me the contract, and, uh, and I'll be happy to remit taxation. So the contract that explicitly says that you'd agreed to all their silly rules. That's right. That. Now, they can't do this because... Uh, there because, is none. No such thing. Well, there is no, there is no traceable contract. There's no signatures on paper. There's no, there's no full disclosure. You know, it just, they can't do it. That's why they had to use the name game. Mm-hmm. The name draws you into it. The name is, it sucks you into the corporate nightmare. And be, because basically what we're dealing with... We're, is we're dealing with corporate entities, and the government is a corporate entity. It's the master entity, and it gives birth to all these other sub-entities, like the IBMs, the Motorola's, the Enron's. Right, and so you're saying that your name on the birth certificate is essentially a little teeny corporation that is supposed to represent you in this government system. Well, it doesn't represent you. You you work through it. It's like you work under it. Now, if you identify yourself by it, then you become amalgamated with it. You, it is attached to you. It's called attachment under the law. You form an attachment to it, then, then in the eyes of the law, you then become it. So you're writing, to, you're writing to the, uh, the head of the IRS or whoever, and you're telling them, I don't want to associate, I'm not associating with this name on this birth certificate yeah, anymore. You, you say you choose not to be identified by this name, as, as you have discovered that it is the name of a legal fiction, and, and due to government non-disclosure, you know, and then you ask for the contract, and they don't write you back, right? What happens? Well, I'm sorry? What happens when you've actually sent this off to them? They don't write well, you back, what or you what? Say, what you do is you say, our, uh, my administrative rules require, um, or my administrative processes require that I, I, I get this information before I can, I can continue to remit taxation. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you never, ever refuse with the government, because that puts you in dishonor. And under commercial law, he who dishonors first is an automatic loser. Um, that dovetails with some of the things that uh, Robert Menard was telling us from thinkfree.ca, the uh, the concept of dishonoring, and I find it pretty interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, well, well, it's 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 basic to commercial law. You uh, you dishonor checks, you dishonor contracts. It's when you're in dishonor, uh, it's it's very bad because 
in a court of equity, um, the judge will just look at you and say, well, you just said you wouldn't pay it. And, you know, all, in other words, this whole pile of wrong is on your shoulders, and, and, and it's not on the other guy's shoulders. So let's continue. You don't ignore what they say. No, you, you, never, you never, ever refuse to pay a tax. What you do is you just say, well, my administrative processes require uh, that, uh, first of all, you let them know that you choose not to be identified. Right. By yeah, the then, you, then you say you, your administrative processes require that you see the actual contract that has uh, obligated me, uh, you to this. Yeah, you, you say, uh, please provide me with the evidence that proves that I, I you know, that, then what happens, that compels Mike? me to, to pay this tax. And then you, and then you say, I, I, await your, I await your evidence. Do you give them a certain number of days in which to respond? Uh, 30 days. Um, and then and then you fought, and then you send it by registered mail because you want proof that you served it. Right. And then you and then you send it. You never leave it like that. You send a follow up. Thirty days later, and you say, please, I'm asking you. I and for my administrative processes, I require that you know. Yes. Yes. Blah blah blah. That you provide me with the information that I require in order to settle up. And then what? And then you and then you wait another thirty days, and then you do it again. Three times. Each, each time, yeah. Try. Three times, three is a charm. You know, we all know three strikes are out. Uh, it's a, kind of a principle of law. Then what happens? We're short on time, real short. Uh, well, um, basically, you just wait after that, and then if they take you to court, well, then you show this evidence to the judge. And he, and he said, well, they dishonored you because they wouldn't, they wouldn't send you the, the evidence of the supporting contract. That's dishonor. They lose. <laughs> now, how does, it work, how does it work with a, with a police officer that stops you on the side of the road? And I wish we don't have time to answer. Life. He doesn't have time to answer that. But what I'm curious about is, uh, Mike, and this is fascinating, and you know, I don't necessarily know if it's all accurate or not, but who's we and how do people find out more about this? Well, we, there's no it's a, it's a loose group. Um, there's no there's no actual website. We all right. Well, then can you do me a favor because this is, seems like critical information. And I don't understand why there isn't a website enumerating this. Can you do me a favor? Go to bbs.freetalklive.com. Sign up for an account and post the information there so people can see it, mull it over in their heads, and discuss it. I really would appreciate that. I know our listeners would too. Thanks for the call. It's Vinny in here with you and Mark. See you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.